This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Graham Codrington, or as he's now known, Godrington, by a recent uh, mishap on his name tag, uh, is no stranger to Good Things Guy. We featured him a couple of times. He's jumped onto podcasts to chat about where we are as a country, where we're going to. He's a future thought leader. And it's incredible the insight that he has. Many South Africans follow him on Facebook and many uh, love his voice and what he has to say. Um, and I'm excited to have him back on the show because I feel like this is such an important conversation that I want to have. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple, what is it? Two weeks ago, um, we had our proposed health regulations that uh, were changed. The state of disaster in South Africa came to an end. And, and all of a sudden, there was this narrative that was being pushed on, on mostly social media about these very scary proposed health regulations that are apparently going to come into play. I added my voice to that narrative. A lot of the readers were asking me how I felt about it. And, and my take was sort of the fact that we have such a strong constitution that really looks after South Africans. Secondly, that if there were ever really crazy regulations, we've got so many organizations who would fight against it and constantly fight against things that might not be right in South Africa. And thirdly, I spoke to the fact that perhaps the South African government can't even find a solution to create enough electricity for the country or fix most of the potholes. So, so to have a, a government all of a sudden say, these crazy regulations that were being posted by your auntie on WhatsApp, um, what does that mean? And Graham lent his voice into the conversation, and we're going to chat a little bit about that today. So Graham, first of all, welcome back to the Good Things Podcast. Uh, Brent, it's so great to be talking to you again. Thank you for all you've done to keep me sane uh, over the last two years. It's been uh, great to be part of the uh, good things view of the world. Thanks. Oh, it's, it's my job, right? It's what I do. But I, I love being connected to you and I love your opinion. On some days, um, you, you keep us entertained, you make us laugh. On other days, you make us a little bit angry and there's people on your feeds that, that might tend to fight with your opinions and when you share facts. But this subject, that's this, this proposed health regulations that are apparently coming into play is so controversial and there's so many different sides to it. And, and what you spoke to or what you wrote on my Facebook post um, was the truth and was factual and perhaps something that people don't know. So where, where do you stand with these crazy, quote unquote, proposed health yes. regulations that are apparently going to come into play? So Brent, for me, there, there are two things. And I, I don't necessarily want to go into the detail and unpack the new health regulations paragraph by paragraph. Uh, I, I, it's, it's not uh, my field of expertise. Um, but I uh, I think there are two things. The, the first is 
that throughout the documents that are being spread around to people, it constantly refers to a nature A tables one, two, and three. And it says in relation to anything listed in an extra eight tables, one, two, and three, we do the following, we do the following. But none of the things that are being sent around telling us about how scary the regulations are include an extra eight tables, one, two, and three. That should immediately get people uh, to think. This is part of what we need to be doing as people in our world these days is to just check the information that's sent to us and not read the scaremongering headlines. And so if people then went and checked an extra A tables one, two, and three, which would take a little bit of effort to find because it's been hidden by the people who are scaremongering, you will find that what these regulations are really about is the government saying, if we have another global pandemic, if we have another a massive disease that is an outbreak that will cause massive public harm, then we need to do the things that are in the health regulations. So it's not just giving the government carte blanche. And I've got the list in front of me right now. So I don't know, Brent, I'll, I'll just read out a quick list and you tell me if any of these things sound like fun. Anthrax, botulism, cholera, diphtheria, malaria, measles, plague, literally the plague, rabies, smallpox, and yellow fever. That's just a a summary of the list of 22 diseases that the health regulations refer to. Am I making sense that the government wants to protect us from massive pandemic harm? Um, Rather than just uh, take over our healthcare willy-nilly. So a hundred percent. And, and, and when you, when you posted that on my feed, it made me think out of the box and, and all of a sudden there were questions, right? So first of all, why are we not sharing that information? And I guess it goes back to scaremongering and, and whatever the reason is behind that could be, I don't know, politicized. It could be someone's bad intentions. It could be someone who has too much time on their hands. I don't know. I don't know what the reality of that is to hide information or not show the correct information. So we don't have the full story, but more so um, for people that have followed my journey, you would know that my father died from malaria and, and that was absolutely tragic. It was, he went to Mozambique on holiday. He came back from Mozambique. He thought he had a cold and he died the next day. It was just a lot to sort of deal with. And you mentioned that if there's a way to help somebody um, in that situation, and I'm not talking about the plague here, I'm talking about just malaria, to, to quarantine them and help them, that would have saved my father's life. So that's a whole, well, that's a whole e- different conversation. E- exactly. It's a whole different yeah, so, so Brent, these three tables that are listed, and they're called NMCs, which is Notifiable Medical Conditions. Currently, the reality is if you arrive in hospital with one of these diseases, and the list I gave you all comes from the first table where any doctor who treats you is required to notify the health department within 24 hours of you having this disease. And they would not let you out of the hospital. If your father had been had gone to a medical professional who correctly diagnosed him, they would not have let him out of the out of the hospital. They would not have let him go home because they would have known how serious it was. That's the point you're making, right? That these things are serious and we want 
our healthcare system in the country to take these things seriously. And that's really the intention of this, uh, the amendments to the Healthcare Act, to just make it more clear and more specific that that's what we want to do. I think from a journalism point of view, I can also see how things may get confused. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add something in here. So there's a current narrative as well being played out in media about the NHR. This, this national health insurance that may or may not come into play. And South Africans are scared of what that might mean for them, perhaps. And they've yes. taken these, these two different things and they've added it into one conversation, which they believe to be true. I often say that our opinions are formulated by other people's um, conversations or narratives and somehow we allow sometimes our opinions to become facts without actually them being facts and I think this is a pure example of that where we've taken a couple of different stories we've mushed them together in our heads and we've created this absolute fear of I mean I said it in my post I, I received a whatsapp from from a friend who said oh my gosh the government are going to come into our houses late at night and take us away into quarantine facilities. And I was like, for, for what would they do that? There is no, there's no reason for them to lock. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So how have you allowed that opinion to become fact in your brain? And that takes me to sort of my next point. The, the state of disaster has now, it's in its last couple of days, um, maybe two weeks uh, that, that these transitional regulations are in place so that we can move into a new phase of whatever this new normal is. But there's a lot of people on social media that are saying that um, this is not true. And, and it's almost like they've lost trust in anything the government says. Do you, have you seen that as well on social media? I, I have. But here, Brent, I, I want to give a little bit of credit, if you like, to the libertarian view, which is, which is the, the technical label for the view of people who don't trust the government. Because nobody should trust the government, at least trust it without thinking uh, and without holding the government account. And I'm not talking about only the South African government. I think that any democracy works when you watch your government carefully and you hold them to account. And every time they try and do something, you check whether they are doing it in line with, with their own rules and their own policies and the fantastic constitution we happen to have in this country. And I, I think that what's really happened over the last two years, uh, Brent, is that we have seen one more example in, in human history of the fight between personal rights and freedoms and societal responsibilities, which are normally we ask our governments to look after the public policy and the social responsibility. For me as an individual, I want all the rights and freedoms I can have. Uh, I'd prefer to have all of them and as many of them as possible. But if I am sick with a disease that could infect other people, I need to understand that my right to walk around in public and share that disease with others needs to be constrained. And if I'm not going to personally choose to constrain it um, myself voluntarily, then I would hope that the government would step in and constrain me as well. But 
that balance is a balance we keep fighting for across human history. This is actually the story of history. As, as populations rise up against governments when governments overstep their mark. So it is right that we are skeptical when government says something. It is right that we say, is this the way we should do it, uh, government? And that we then hold the government to account. But if the government is doing the right thing, and if the government is uh, showing us that they have public safety and societal well-being, uh, in, uh, if that's what they're doing, then we should also accept that and support that. And it's this balance, I think, that we've lost. And I think we are angry because we're in this state of being lost. Mm, you bring up the anger, and that's exactly where I wanted to go. So uh, two years ago, um, we were standing at this, this edge of a cliff. And, and you spoke about anticipatory grief and how we were mm. all grieving something we hadn't lost yet. We were, we were looking into an abyss and not understanding what was happening around us. It was all so otherworldly. We were being locked in our houses and we weren't allowed to see people. And there was this disease that was taking over the world. And it was really, really scary. And that anticipatory grief suddenly and quite quickly became anger. And it's almost like, and I, I don't even want to speak for just South Africa, but the world is angry. We're living in a very, very angry place. Is this because of the pandemic? Is this because of the era that we're living in? Is it because of social media? Like, we, why are we angry? Do you, do you think in your mind? I think we're angry because we don't like our freedoms to be taken away. We don't like to be told what to do. And we don't like to think that other people are our responsibility. I, I'm speaking generally. I, I, obviously, the average human being is not a complete narcissist. But I, I do think that when we feel that our own freedoms ha have been impinged upon, when we're being told that you are not allowed to do something, it, it, a bit of a righteous anger emerges. And I, 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 that was what we talked about two years ago, where I said, this is going to happen. And it has indeed happened. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that initial response. What you need to do, though, is you need to then move one step further and say, of course, I'm angry that my freedoms have been taken away. But why? For, what is the purpose uh, for which those freedoms have been taken away? If the purpose makes no sense, if, if it cannot be explained to me, then my anger must turn into activism and I must fight against whatever forces are, are trying to suppress um, a good community living and, 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 and good freedoms. But if, if I do get a good response, if the government can explain uh, why you can only have a few people coming to your gathering or why you still need to wear masks or so on, if there's a good reason, then we need to realize that if we want to be part of a society, if we want to live in a place where there are other people around us and where our actions impact other people's lives and freedoms and health and safety, then we need to maybe listen to some of those public policies and some of those societal um, uh, forces that restrict us as an individual, but enable us as a society. You see, I don't want to ask this, but I'm going to. <laughs> and it, Go for I, it. I don't think I'm going to get the answer that anyone's looking for. But, but what next? I mean, we've, we've been through the most uh, in the last two years from a, a trauma point of view. And I'm sure there's a lot of PTSD that we're going to face 
uh, in the next coming months and years um, of, of loss of life, uh, loss of jobs, loss of income, loss of normality, and, and loss mm. of everything that we used to hold sort of as a, like a comfort blanket. Um, and we speak about grief. So, so we got the, the six stages of grief, uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and then that, that sixth one, which is finding your purpose. But we're not mm. out of the woods yet. And, and I'm very, that's why I said, I don't want to ask this, but I'm going to. Where do you believe we're going from here? It's now April. Um, we've got Asia, a lot of Asian countries that, are, that have been in a hard lockdown for the last couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of states are going back into sort of masking. It's, it's like back and forth. What do you think is going to happen in, in 2022, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's an important question. And, and, and I'll give you three answers. The first answer is we don't know. So if, if there are no more variants coming, then I think kind of where South Africa is at the moment is, is in one of the best places that a country could be. Uh, we've had a lot of people had the vaccine. Um, and if you haven't had the vaccine yet, uh, please go and get it. Um, a lot of people have had uh, whatever version, uh, whether it was Delta or Omicron, they've had it and they've got that um, earned immunity, uh, if you like, at least uh, for a little while. Um, and as far as I, I can tell, they're saying we probably won't need too many more boosters if the disease stays as it is. Uh, that's a possibility, although it's more likely that we will see another variant. Now, if there's another variant, it could be a better variant. Uh, in other words, it doesn't get us as sick and we can now just live with COVID like we live with the flu. You know, if you wake up and you've got the flu, it is in fact a dangerous disease, but we know what it looks like. The doctors understand it. The medical system uh, can deal with it. We've got the medicines to handle it. Uh, you know, you stay at home for a few days. If you've got the vaccine, you pretty much won't, won't even see a hospital. You'll be fine. Um, and so that's the best case scenario. And, and personally, I'm holding thumbs for that one, obviously, uh, that things just get better and better. If, if there's a worse uh, variant, uh, who knows? Uh, I don't even want to talk about that because if 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 COVID or even worse, a completely different uh, virus does the same thing again, uh, well, then then it, it is you know back to where where we were two years ago. But I th I think that the third answer is maybe the the most uh, helpful and will bring in the the good things vibes to this. Um, a number of years ago, I traveled across to Hong Kong and I uh, was taken around walking around Hong Kong. This is about 15, 20 years ago, we think now. I was walking around Hong Kong and there were a whole lot of people wearing face masks. And I turned to my host and I said, why, why are all those people wearing face masks? Are they, are they scared? Should I be scared of, uh, you know, because it had just been SARS and I had forgotten that SARS was sort of in recent memory. My host turned to me and looked at me like I was an idiot. And he said, no, those people are not scared that you will give them a disease. They are feeling unwell today. And they're just making sure we don't get anything that they've got. It's a massive, Brent, it was this amazing sort of West meets East mindset uh, moment where I realized that my individualistic view of the world was very different. Long story to get to a simple point. I think that what I'm hoping will happen is that we have now learned a lot. And whatever happens next with COVID or maybe another uh, disease that comes along our way, we'll feel more confident in handling it. We'll realize that we only 
handle it if we handle it together, that diseases are social issues, not personal issues. And hopefully over the last two years, we can turn what some of us might feel as trauma, what others feel as fatigue, what a few people feel as anger, that we can turn all of that into learning, learning about how we might deal with this if it happens again, um, and learning how we might do a better job from the beginning of dealing with it together, um, rather than thinking that it's just up to me or my choices are the most important choices. So that's for me is where I find myself, which is why I push back at, at people complaining about this new healthcare act, because I actually think that's what these new healthcare amendments are supposed to do. It's supposed to just help us think more about how we deal with very serious diseases together as a society rather than just as individuals. Look, I'm sure uh, with the new health regulations, they are definitely not going to take roast chickens away or, or T-shirts exactly. or tops. And, or and open-toed open shoes. You know? <laughs> You'll still be allowed to wear those. Exactly. And I, and I think that's, that's the other side of this conversation. And, and I think what it boils down to is everything that we've spoken about. You need to get your facts straight. You need to be able to read and get the information in to have an informed um, opinion. Uh, you need to never stop fighting against government. You always need to hold them accountable. You always need to look at what they're doing and ask if it's the right thing. Never stop that. Um, but most of all, I think as a society, we need to work together to making a better tomorrow. If I've summed it up, uh, I think that's what we've said yeah. I think that's a perfect summary, and I thank you for the opportunity to to bring a voice into uh, into this conversation that that says precisely that that yes, enjoy your individual freedoms, but do it recognizing that you live in community with other people, and if this community isn't working, uh, then it isn't working for anyone. Um, it's got to work for us all. Mr. Codrington, please don't ever stop doing the good work that you do. Um, keep us thinking. Uh, keep having important conversations. Uh, keep us laughing when you have those moments as well. Um, I, I love following you on social media. I love all you do. And, and I just want to thank you so much for spending time with myself and my listeners today. It's really been, it's been awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brett. That's it. Wishing you only good things. And for more good things, visit www.goodthingsguy.com. Okay? Love you. Bye.